in Clapham Junction in London, and we go to Vineyard 61. It's a multi-site church, but we go to the one in Battersea. It's a year old, and it's fun to be there. Great. Um, so I'm Andrew. I am from Scotland. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I know. Um, so yeah, so I am the youth pastor for uh, a church right in the middle of Scotland, uh, Falkirk Vineyard. Uh, we're usually the ones making an exceptionally loud noise at any conferences or anything we go to. Um, so yeah, and as part of my role, I also oversee youth in Scotland um, and work with this man on the uh, on the DTI team as well, which is which is pretty sweet. And I do also work full time. We'll get to that in a bit. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, I'm Dave. I'm the associate, assistant, second in command, youth pastor at Cardiff Vineyard. Um, and also Rach and I are the regional leaders for Wales and the South West. Uh, I'm Rachel and I am the youth pastor at Cardiff Vineyard and also the regional person with Dave. <laughs> So, guys, what, what we thought would be helpful is just for us to... We're all going to get seven minutes, um, and we're going to time it. Um, but, but there's a number. That number is significant because you can text it in at any time that we're speaking with any questions, and we'll seek to then answer them. Because, basically, we're going to share our stories, um, a, a, like a snippet of our stories and how we started youth ministry and how, some of our journey but then it's over to you guys really we wanted to give a huge amount of time for questions because ultimately it's it's down to where you what what's what's the questions really on the ground and we want to do our best to contribute answers rather than just talk at you for the whole time um we want to hear what's going on um so Andrew's going to kick us off. If you've got your phones out, we'll assume that you're texting a question, yeah. not texting your nan or your mum or your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. Yeah. Great. Andrew. Great. Right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a preacher, so I'm going to stand up. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not one for sitting down. So, and he said eight minutes, but try stopping me. Right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, can you up, up it to 20 minutes? Great. Okay, so um, I have to be brief. I could talk forever. So um, I'll give you a little bit of an insight into, into my story. So um, we, uh, I've worked in youth ministry for a lot, for a long time. I've been in youth ministry for about 15 years. Yes, I don't look old enough. You, and that's okay. You're good with that. Um, and no one laughed. That's unfortunate. Right, okay. Um, oh, I'm trying to have to pick the patter up a bit here. So, um, yeah, so I've worked in youth ministry for 15 years. Um, but uh, a few years back, I was, I was a little done, right? So had had been through the mill, had done lots of different things, been involved in lots of different ministries, and it got to the point where there was a youth charity I was working for, and quite frankly, things didn't end well. It, it, it just, it didn't, some people made some bad decisions as leaders, and the thing came to an end. And I remember saying to God at that point, right, look, I've done my slot, I've done the youth thing, that's it, right, don't, we're not going to do that again, go and give me another ministry that I can focus on. So then I joined the, the Vineyard Church, and we're very, very quickly... God was like, so do you remember that thing you said you weren't going to do it again? You're going to do it again. And I remember this argument going back and forward. And eventually, one Sunday, and I knew it was going to take it. God was going to have to, like, like physically boot me to get me to do it. And one Sunday, this person in church stood up and she went, you, stop it. Stop denying God and do what he's telling you to do. And I was like, oh, 
look at them. And, and that is where things get. Now, the, the context here is that we didn't have a youth ministry. The church didn't, didn't have one. So I wanted to give you a little bit of a kind of an idea of how we got through this and how we started something from, from absolutely zero um, to where the ministry is um, at the minute. So we've kind of got about 30, 35 in our youth at the moment. When we took it on, we were appointed, my wife and I, as youth pastors, and we had one teenager in the church. Um, he was also like, he was the worship pastor's kid, so he was just cracking on with life. <laughs> Didn't really need much from us. It was one of these moments we were like, okay, we've got a heart for youth, but we haven't got any. That might be the circumstance for some of you guys, or it might be that you've got youth, and you're like, how do I get something off the ground? So the first thing that we learned was that, simple as it is, you've just got to start, okay? It doesn't actually matter what it is that you do. You just need to do something. And I'll give you an example. We had this dilemma. How do we get something up and running when we've no kids? And we went, right, well, let's do this. This really cool hangout thing at our house. This would be great. You know, we can say, right, one kid, invite your friend. You know, which he did, to be fair. Um, and he brought his friend. And, he brought, and there was another parent. We actually ended up with three. We're like, whoa, look at the percentage growth on that. It's brilliant, you know, right? So we had all these kids. It was great. Um, but but that was that was about where the greatness ended, right? To be honest, the thing was an epic fail. We decided to make cakes. I wouldn't recommend that. But we thought we'd, we'd make cakes. But we bought food coloring rather than icing, and oh, it just. And we thought we'd do this band hero thing, but it wouldn't connect, and so on and so forth, right? So. On the face of it, I ended it, and I was like, oh my goodness, that was, well, that wasn't a good start. Like, what have we done? But the key thing was, we'd started. So, if you guys are in the place right now where you're like, what do I do? How do I get my, do something. It actually doesn't matter what it is. It can be a hangout in your house. It can be, let's go to McDonald's or some other really healthy place and have something nice to eat. It could be whatever. It could be, let's go and play a kickball in the park. Like, do something, create a space, create an atmosphere, a place that people can invite their young people or else they're not going to come. Because if you haven't got somewhere for them to go, well, there's no one for them to go. Do you get what I'm saying? It sounds so simple, and yet actually it's really key. It's really key. So where do we get to from that? So we we created, uh, we very quickly appointed a team. Um, I'll just say one thing on team, because I have no idea how long I've talked for. But one thing I'll say on team is get your team selection right. Oh my goodness. Okay, so get your team selection right. I've been there and done that lesson, all right? Don't rush the people that you want to join your team. What you want is you want good quality, hardworking people, but most importantly, we want character over ability, okay? You want people that are going to support you. You want people that are going to say, yes, what's the question? What do you need me to do? And I'm just going to do it. It doesn't matter what it is. And I would also encourage you, like your youth ministry does not need to be full of your young adults, okay? It's a, they're a great avenue, a great way to engage with the younger generation, but not every single member of the younger generation is going to connect with that hip, nice, cool, brilliant young adult. Actually, maybe for them, they need someone who's a little bit more on the fringes. They maybe need a pardon the expression, but they maybe need that oddball. That's someone who's just a little bit more unusual, and actually, perhaps someone who's got some age behind them, okay? Because it, with age brings experience, and what I've found, particularly for me as a youth pastor, is, see, having some older members on my team, and I say older, I think my oldest member on my team was sort of mid-40s, but he came up to me a couple, several times I was running events and went, is that a good idea? And he was brilliant. And I'd go, oh, okay, if he's saying that, is that a good idea? And it would actually, so for me as anything, it was a brilliant thing to have someone with a bit of experience on the team. But actually see from my young people, for the young people there, they were connecting 
with a generation that had experience, that had words of knowledge and had life that they could, those young people could look up to. We, we heard the other night about how um, the generations, we were talking about this the other day, about how there's some research about um, how the younger generations actually look towards their parents. They look towards that older generation. So I would encourage you, don't just go for the young ones for, for your team. Um, get a team started. What did we do? We then, we started a Saturday night thing. So that was our main thing. We thought, let's do something, create an atmosphere for young people to go. Now, I would say this to you, right? If you're going to do something, my experience is to do it with excellence, okay? So whenever we give our praises to God or whenever we do anything in ministry, we try to do it well, yeah? We try to do it as as well as we can. Youth ministry is the same. So what we want to do is we want to throw everything we possibly can do at creating the most amazing and the most incredible atmosphere for those young people to come into what for them will probably feel like quite an unusual set of circumstances. This day and age, a friend saying, do you want to come and hang out at our church youth group? Even by putting the word church in there might send up some barriers. So what you want to do is create an atmosphere that those young people can relax into. And then through that, we've found that actually we've had the most amazing stories of young people that had no church connection coming to know Jesus because we created something that looked good and it was attractive and they were able to come into it. I would encourage you guys to dream. Like one of the things I've said to my team is I am not worried about practical. We start with the dream and then we get to the practical. So whenever we're having team meetings, I know I'm over. Whenever we get to team meetings, this is gold dust though. Give me a second, hold on. This is stuff I've learned. This is stuff I've learned, two seconds. But when you get to, when you get to create dreams, when you encourage your teams to come up with stuff, and I would encourage you guys, like what could it look like? Start there, right? And then work back. Don't look at the big gaping hole in front of you and think, how do I get going? Start something, pick your dream, and trust me, from experience, like God does fill the gaps. So I've got a million other things to say. I won't. The only, can I say one final thing? Because this is important, right? Because this has been a key thing for us. Get your senior pastors on board, okay? I have the most incredible senior pastors that I could have ever asked for. And they said one phrase to me right at the beginning of our ministry. We were sitting over the table, dreaming about what it could be. He said, both of them said, you have permission to fail. You have our express permission for in a year's time for this to have gone nowhere. There's no pressure. But what we want you to do is we want you to look at what God's saying, look at where God wants you to go, and get on with it, and we will back you. So your senior pastors need to be on the road with you. And if they're not, then you need to talk to them about how you need that support in starting your ministry. Yeah, you need, you need to have them on that journey with you. The end. I told you I could preach. I told you I could preach. Yeah. We'll do it sitting down. Mate, I sorry, I have to stand up. A, a minute in, I was like, there's no way this is going to take seven minutes. That's right. Um, right, we are going to, let's go. Um, so, uh, as I said, my name's Dave, this is Rach. We came into youth um, two totally different ways. So we both had a fair amount of experience um, doing it. Rach had done it in London, working with youth in gangs. Um, I'd done it in a bit more of a sort of suburban context. Um, but Rach felt really, really called to it, like God had given words and all this kind of thing. Um, for me, it wasn't that at all. I kind of, I saw the need and was like, 
okay, well, there's a need. This is an area where I can exercise skills that I um, think I have and that I want to grow in. Um, and so just just from the off to say, like, both are really valid ways to come in. Like, you might have help, heard this, like, really clear call, but also you might just be there saying, I see a need. I want to invest in the young people. So both are such great ways to come into it. Um, so our story is I initially joined the youth team. So there was um, there was youth in the church. It was an age group of kids and youth um there were on a good sunday we'd get four one of whom was actually year six so three actual youth who'd sort of grown up through the church all boys um and it like it wasn't unusual to have a sunday where we'd have more team than youth i can remember two team one youth just answering his questions like this is a bit weird <laughs> for honest but um but we uh, sort of a couple of months after I joined the team and expressed an interest in um, like I'll need it if you want. They um, they asked us with another couple uh, to oversee um, youth as an age group, and I sort of went on um, as part of my uh, discipleship year. Felt called to um, give more time to youth, and it got to the stage that I was uh, I was a youth pastor, and they were sort of my core team. Three of us, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so one of the first things we did uh, was that we went on a weekend away. Um, and Damien, who was our kids, youth and families pastor, basically rang every single parent of anyone with an 11 to 18 year old or who had any link to an 11 to 18 year old. And was just like, we're doing a weekend away. When could you come? Um, and so found a date when everyone could make it. Um, he then got the church to massively subsidize the first one. So there was no sort of financial barrier either. Um, and so we did this weekend away, had had any any youth with any kind of link to our church. We had nine of them, um, which was like, yeah, this is huge. Um, and it was honestly similar to Andrew. It was just the worst weekend of my life. It was so difficult. We had no relationship with them. But what it forged amongst the team, first of all, of like, like one of the youth found an axe, like that's the kind of thing, that's where we're at. Um, what it forged with the team, but also what it forged with the youth of, you know, they were like, we found an axe, this is the best thing ever. Um, like it was so precious. Um, a few months later, we went to DTI for the first time, again, took nine of them. Um, and we would always say, I don't know if there's anything to back this up, but a weekend away, a trip is worth about six months of relational time of just normal Sundays. Like get away with them because you have such intentional time with them. It's so valuable. Um, and something we would do early on is after every trip, Rach would make a video um, by her own admission, not a skill set or they were not always the best videos. But every time she would make a video of like clips that we'd got or little photos. We'd show it in church, which number one, like raises the profile of youth in church and is, puts it on the map is like, this is something that's happening. But again, for the youth, it's that relational thing of like, oh, like I'm up on the screen. Guys, do you remember when we did that? Um, and yeah, so trips, especially in the early stages, are so valuable for forming those relationships. And um, we also put ourselves on team pretty much every Sunday, which is a big ask. Um, but it was its relationship that that brings them a relationship that keeps them. And so we'd like come back from a trip and be like, oh, I'll see you on Sunday. And then I'll see you the next Sunday. And then I'll see you the next Sunday. And I'll know what's going on in your life. And each week we'd say like, oh, will you be there on Sunday? Um, and we, it just formed relationships that then stuck and we got to know them and they got to know us. Um, we also started a small group, um, which was the best, like one of the best things we've ever done. We still reminisce about the small group. Um, we did it in our house and it was, again, just amazing relational time for them. Um, we we went like hard on getting them there. We'd text 
individually every parent every week and be like are they coming and if not enough of them are coming we cancelled so there was like a lot of accountability to be there but it meant that we had a consistent group of them coming every single week there was no like flaky oh I might be there I might not be there um and we did like we did intense stuff like we're going to do a whole term of learning to prophesy like so you're gonna have to be vulnerable but they like prophecy especially is it's all for others and so it's like such a great relationship building stuff um one of the things we learned from small group is like communicate to their parents and to them like way more than you think you need to you need to develop trust with their parents especially because it's their parents that are going to bring them to these things especially when we're churches in cities they can't just walk around to your house like you need their parents to be bought in and to know that they can trust you so massively over communicate with their parents um and small group went on first for like a couple of years we got to say that we had about 15 consistent youth um, and our house is not that big it is not. So um, we decided to relaunch youth. Um, we started a midweek thing that we called ICN, um, which was really, really popular. They loved it. Um, we started getting sort of 20 or so of them coming along. Um, we also, at the same time, we split our Sunday mornings into age groups, so 11 to 15 and 16 up. Um, which went really, really badly. Um, we basically, we split too early. We didn't have the sort of, um, we didn't have the critical mass to start two groups that would have momentum. Um, and the youth hated it. They hated that we'd sort of split them. They were, the, the groups were sometimes too small. They felt awkward. It felt like we'd gone back a stage. So um, we got a lot of kickback from them on that. At the same time, um, so obviously, as we said, Rachel was a youth pastor. And me and this other couple were, were the core team. Um, they stepped back from youth so they were two really good friends of ours and it was right for them at the time um but i like that off the back of the sunday thing going wrong and then them saying look we're gonna have to step back was was killer for us if we were like oh what are we doing like are we making every decision wrong so um yeah that was a really hard time for us with the ministry but obviously where the three of us had been core and youth and rachel was the pastor it then shifted to Rachel being the pastor and me sort of being, like I said, like the second in command, like associate pastor. Um, and that's really the rhythm we got into then for a couple more years was we had Sundays, we had ICN in the middle of the week. Oh, ICN is like, a, it's like a youth service. So like, you know, we have games, hot chocolate, and then we have um, worship, uh, a talk, ministry, all that kind of thing. Um, and then... Oh, I was so nearly done. Um, and, and so that was the rhythm we got into. So we had Sundays, we had midweek ICN, and, and we had three trips. We did Weekend Away, DTI, and Soul Survivor. Gosh, go, go. Um, just Great. to really Woo. quickly tell you where we're at now is we are now a multi-site church. So we have um, youth in two sites, we're going to three sites in March. So we are now at a stage where we are like essentially releasing our youth leaders in each site to start a youth ministry from scratch so we are sort of trying to re-dredge up our experience this is a very helpful exercise and um, to release them to do the same thing so that's where we're at now we are now at, at the stage where we've currently got a massive headache and it's it's full on yeah it's full on it's great um i just want to I'll share real quick. Uh, for me, youth ministry started when I was, um, well, about 17. I was in a church who were really keen on raising up like young leaders. And so I, at 17 years of age, I got a group of like 10-year-old lads. They gave me all their names, their numbers. They didn't even introduce me to their parents. And I, I suppose instinctively what I did is I just called all the parents. And I, I, I don't know if it was just... I don't know why I did it now, but I look back and I realized 
from a young age, I'd caught on to something that the most imp that the key to often young people is their parents. If you can't build relationships with parents, you're probably going to have a because it's trust, and it's it's then you've got opportunities to speak into their lives, which is very important. And so, youth ministry started for me in Australia at that point, really being a youth and realizing that leadership and 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 youth ministry is actually, if I can sum it up. Here's a passage that God spoke to me when I was young. Um, Psalm 145 verse 4 says this, One generation commends of your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. You know, guys, if you want to reach young people, your, the mandate over you is to, to, to tell of God's acts in your life to the next. It's to pass on the message and that's what a youth pastor, that's what a youth worker does that wants to share the faith. Um, and so really my journey is, is kind of different because then I came over to pursue a football career. I ended up living in a small seaside town and I got involved with a thriving youth club. We had like 70 kids in a room this big. It was carnage. You've, you've, if any of you have heard me talk about it, the room stunk and, and it was just full on. And we... Uh, but what I realized is young people would all turn up at once and then they'd all go at once. But then one time when we were trying to get more young people like we needed more, but we were trying to reach as many as we could, we realized they were coming from the park. And the park was the place where all these kids were hanging out beforehand. They were starting to drink. They were starting to have little parties around there, start smoking weed, start smoking, start swearing for the first time. Things happened at the park. And um, so pretty quickly the council approached our church because of our thriving youth ministry and they said hey could you give us some money because we want to employ some detached youth workers um, and my youth pastor at the time was a genius and he was actually a very entrepreneurial character he's he said Zeke I see a calling on your life we were talking you're you're going to be involved in youth do you want a job and I'm like yeah I'd love a job to work with young people. He goes, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this, this youth club is going to become a charity and we're going we're gonna to ask the council for money and for your employment. What a legend. You know, sometimes what we need to do is we need to be, be the platform for the next generation to stand on. So sometimes just you writing a bid for, so that someone else can be on your team, it's possible. It, 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 who knows? So I ended up getting a job for the next six, seven, six to eight years working for 16 to 21 hours down that local park. I was there rain, hail, shine. I met hunt, over that period thousands of young people. But what I realized, there's two types of youth ministry, and I'm going to draw this. Yeah, the dynamics. There's, there's missional, uh, sorry, there's attractional, let's just call A for attractional, and there's, there's I, incarnational, yeah? What's A stand for? Attractional, and, and I? Okay, so when we think of incarnational, we think of loads of, this is, this is people, right? And I'm doing this, really, I haven't thought this through much. And then we've got, and then we've got the church, yes, the cross. Attractional says, hey, we'll put something on for you, like Andrew was saying. A lot of what Andrew was saying was about attractional youth ministry. We, we want to, we're going to put something on in our location, in our venue, and we'll attract people to come to that. But that's not the only way you do youth ministry. 
There's also incarnational. It's like, where are the young people in our city, in our town, and how can we get access to them? So for us, it was in a local park, and that place was where no one that actually cared for young people and wanted to disciple young people was. So I realized that's where we needed to be. So sometimes you need to be where they are so that you can affect them. And over the years, guys, I could, I could go on and on and on about the stories of young people's lives. I, 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 we've, we've got a guy at Coastline Vineyard, you know, he's now working on the youth team, a guy called James Henley, who we had, he had an encounter down that park and he was never the same. In a moment, he pretty much went from atheism to loving Jesus. He's now working with young people. Crazy story. But God was moving in those places, incarnational. You know, it's like connecting with young people where they are. And that's what I found. So don't just limit yourself to we need to put on something great. As, as good as that is and as much as that has worked for Andrew, it might not work in your context. And so I've realized over the years, as, as you, being a youth, youth worker, youth minister, that we can, we've got to be creative because the generation that we're working with, they're incredibly creative. They're incredibly entrepreneurial. That's one of the markers for Gen Z. They're entrepreneurs. They, they, they make stuff happening. Real quick, I'm going to say this. A year and a bit ago, my wife and I moved to London. I'd heard that there was an estate uh, a mile and a bit from where we used to live. And um, there'd been, in seven months, there'd been three cold-blooded murders. I'm talking like gangs killing people in broad daylight. My heart just, because of my work on a, on a park where I'd heard that kids were getting messed up, so I gathered a few people and I said, we're going to go to that estate once a week. We're just going to pray. I, don't, I know it's intimidating, whatever. We've been doing that for the last year. We've started a football club there. We're talking about studying open access. We've seen young people healed. We've seen a couple of people come to faith. But we're now known there. And we've had drug dealers approach us and say, like, you know, intimidate us. And, and, um, but, it, but the point is, is where are they? Where's... The need doesn't always constitute the call, but sometimes the need is God's voice crying out to you, this is what I'm calling you to. Um, and, and that's just a little bit of my story. Uh, yeah, I want, I want to tell a fun. Are you waiting for it to ring? <laughs> yeah, 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 there we go, there we go. Um, yeah, so guys, um, you can ask us anything you want. There's loads of time. Um, we want to give it over to you. If you haven't text naughty, um, and if you got, oh, we got some. Have we got like loads or? Uh, we've got three on here, so shout okay. out. Okay. Okay. Um, or keep texting in. Um, oh yeah, thank you. Uh, how do you balance doing it for the one versus cancelling events when you only have a few young people interested and know it's going to be way too intense and probably won't won't benefit that small of a group? Um, so, it's a very good question. It kind of, pardon? Oh yeah, okay. oh, I'll unlock it for you. There it is. You unlock it. Um, it kind of depends, I think, on the event. Um, so we did that with the small group, um, partly because we were like, you know, if one person shows up to a small group in our house, that that is awkward. That's uncomfortable. Um, and but also because we were like, we really want them to to motivate them to form a community like we would expect in an adult small group uh, like I don't know about your small groups when, when we've led them before we have also set expectations with our adults of saying like 
you know, we expect if you're in Cardiff, you come to the group, unless, you know, you've got a real reason, that's fine. But like, this is a community. We need you to come regularly to know that. Um, on the other side of it is when, when you don't do that and when you do have a couple turn up for something and you're like, oh no, like what are we gonna do? We've always said, make sure that week is the funnest week you've ever had with them. So we, in our small group once, I don't know how they got through the system, but only two turned up. Um, and we were like, do you know what guys? Content out the window, let's play Monopoly. And sti this was four years ago. They still talk about the night we just played Monopoly. They loved it. The, uh, last week, I think it was, our ICN, for some reason, only three turned up. And we were like, guys, let's forget about what we we're going to do. Let's have a pool tournament. Let's play spoons. Let's play table tennis. And we just had so much fun. So you kind of got to decide what, what the feel of the group is but also if you do only get a couple make sure that is the most fun one that they've ever been to because then they're like i'm going back and they tell everyone else I don't know if you've got all, all i would add is uh, i've been doing youth ministry for four and a half years and i've never cancelled an event so and there have been times where there's one kid so it is hard as the leader because as you say you invest this time you invest the energy Actually, in some cases, you may have invested the church's money. Um, you know, to to have, to have create, I I definitely do that. Um, you know, and you do that, and then one kid turns up, and 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 I am. We we have this thing about numbers, don't we? We all have this thing of like numbers aren't important, but inside you're like numbers are important. You know, right? The reality is numbers are important because the more numbers, the more kids there are, the more kids are going to be hearing about Jesus. But that one kid turning up to your event just blow them away you know and 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 they'll invite their friends is my experience so i would try really hard not to cancel right okay so um how have you grown your youth group when the teenagers aren't keen or don't feel comfortable inviting their friends right okay th this is this is depth for me is the hardest part of running a youth ministry from scratch because you are reliant on your teenagers inviting their friends, right? So one of the things I would I would advocate for is the young people that you have got, it's almost a little bit like you would do with your team. You're articulating to them the vision of why we want their friends. We don't want their friends so that we've got numbers. We want them to invite their friends because we want their friends to have the experience and the relationship with Jesus that you have. So one of the things we found, and I have to be honest, we were really lucky in this, um, in that the one kid that we did have was like, he'd ask anyone to come to church. Like, so we were super blessed with that. But you might, that might not be your circumstance. So I would encourage you to get the vision to the, the one or the two young people that you've got. Do you know what I would also advocate for, as much as it gets a lot of Brad Press, I would advocate for a social media presence. My, our experience, and this is our experience, I'm not saying this will work for everyone, but our experience is that through social media, we've generally focused on Instagram. Um, but what we've done is we, we've put up posts, we've put up videos of us saying hello, like being a bit daft, telling some silly stuff about ourselves, posting pictures of some of the events that we do. And what, what I find is whenever I speak to a young person who's come into youth for the first time, or the friend invites them, the first thing they do is they go and look us up. So they go and find out, what does this thing look like before I go? So I would encourage, again, be careful about it. You know, you don't want to be spending all your life producing content for, for social media, but there's definitely a place for young people to have something they can connect with and actually connect with you before they come to your event. Does that make sense? So putting all of those together and, like, pray lots. <laughs> yeah.
just to add to that, this doesn't really uh, solve the question, but to encourage you, I once had a conversation with one of our young people about why they didn't invite their friends, and she said, well, because we feel safe here, and we don't want to bring all of the school stuff. And that was such an encouragement, because I was like, oh, I thought it was because you thought it was rubbish. <laughs> um, so to encourage you, they're not, not inviting their friends because they think it's rubbish, they, yeah. they feel safe. Um, and the other thing is, if they're, like, I guess work on the not keen thing like take them to DTI and stuff like that yeah. because then they come back fired up but also like do stuff like spend a whole term doing prophecy exercises because it's hard to not be fired up after you've spent five weeks repeatedly actually getting accurate words for people and that kind of stuff like just sort of just gradually bring them along on the journey and they they do get there Uh, how do you get unchurched youth into youth group or start coming to church? Um, for me, I think th there's so many ways that this happens because it's not youth work ministry just isn't down to you. It's down to your team. It's down to the young people. It's down to them inviting their friends. And often the best p influence of young people are themselves. So it's kind of encouraging the young people and exploring what's stopping you from... So that was a great question to ask your young people. Because, you, you, guys, you can ask them what would they like to do. Yeah. You don't have to have all the answers. You can let them lead it and, and, and guide you in that se sense. For me, incarnational is the way I, I reached out personally to young people, of actually going and finding them and reaching out to them and trying to connect with them. Also, for me, a great thing was getting involved in schools work. Um, and schools, if you say that we'll come in a couple of hours a week and you're DBS and you've got a, your church has got a relatively good name, churches will eat you up to mentor young people. Like there's mentors needed in every school. And this is like legitimate stuff. It's not just... So I would say there's, there's loads of way. The incarnational way is find out where they are and go and hang out in their spaces and find out what they're up to. For us on the estate at Doddington, in, in, in like Clapham, loads of kids were saying, we just want to play football and we want someone to organize it. And so my mate who runs it rocks up and he sets the temperature and he says, hey, who's got an injury? A couple of kids are like, yeah, me. He goes, well, God's just going to heal you. Watch this. He's nuts. He's a legend. <laughs> He's got more faith than me. And he goes, I won't even touch you. Watch this. In Jesus' name, leg be healed. This kid gets healed there and then on the spot. Then the next kid, okay, you've got a problem. He gets the other kid to pray. Then all these kids are praying. They all got healed on the first night. So that's automatically, we've set the temperature. Now that's faith, man. I didn't do that. My mate, like, it's just, it's just where are they and how can we access it? And there's, I, I hope that's helping answering um, that question. How can we turn a youth group from a social club to a place of worship, learning, and growing, especially if the majority of the group are unchurched? Young people. Right, it's really funny because this is this is the phase that we've been in for the last probably sort of twelve to eighteen months. We did what I talked about at the beginning, creating an attractive atmosphere for young people to come in. And as part of that, we did do talks. We we prayed, um, but the focus was very much relational. It was very much engaging the young people, building a relationship with those young people, so that as he talked about that that you're their trust. You know that they that they and actually with them having trust in you, particularly your core amount 
then they feel more comfortable to invite their friends because they get you're not going to do anything super weird and make them the weird one. Does that make sense? I mean, that's the truth. If you they trust you, they'll they'll bring their friends. So, but you're right. One of the things that we obviously as a church we're, we're not aiming to create a social club. What we're what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a youth ministry, a thriving ministry where young people are changed. You know, where they they move into the kingdom of God and they live a life from that point onwards, which is which is full of God. I would I would encourage you to. To, to the way we've done it is to just go right after it unashamedly, okay? And I, I've got to be honest, right? I, most of our youth ministry is, is unchurched kids, all right? So I would probably say about 65, 70% of the young people that come to our youth have no church connection whatsoever. And we, a couple, about, probably about 18 months ago, said, right, we are going to go wholeheartedly after Jesus. Not like we weren't doing that before, but we're really going to ramp it up, right? And so we introduced a full worship set on a Saturday night. They had never, all they'd had is a talk for five minutes. And we introduced this worship set and we articulated it right at the beginning. We ex- explained what it was. We took it gentle. So you know, we didn't just like go completely full blown on week one, but we got something moving and we actually created an environment for those young people to just to watch right? I've got to be honest, see for the first like four or five months, I'm not sure any of them actually sang. Like, I think they just stared at the worship leader, right? And we're like, oh, what are you doing, you know? See, see from that, get, get your worship team in. Like, we, we didn't try to do it ourselves. Like, I can do worship, but I've got much more skilled worship leaders in our church. So we went to them and said, like, you could serve the young people of our generation by you bringing your entire church team that would turn up on a Sunday and go and do 10 minutes of worship for me on the night. See when young people see that we're investing in them, they, they, things open up, right? And so I would encourage you, if, if, if that's the vision that you have for your ministry, to start there, like, just go for it, right? Young people, young people won't run away. Like, we think they will. We have this thing, don't we? We have this thing. Of, if we talk too much about God, then they might, they might skip, skip, not come back. Well, some might not. Some might not come back, right? But my experience has been the harder we've pressed into to, to faith, to worship, and to ministry, those young people come back. So, yeah. That's great. Matthew 28 says, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, um, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What's the next bit? Anyone know? Sorry? No. Teaching them teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Now, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. That's, a, that's how you make disciples. You teach them to obey all that I have commanded. So many people say, I don't want to put them off. But who's going to teach them? I don't want to like. I don't want to like share the gospel. Just if it's too hard to say that they they sin and they have a propensity to sin. But who's going to teach them? They don't worship. But who's going to show them? They don't read their Bible. Who's going to teach them? Teaching them to obey. Never forget that. It's it's people always forget it. Go and make disciples. We got to go make disciples. That Jesus doesn't just say that. He then shows them exactly how to do it. Teach them, and if they want to learn. They'll, they'll learn and they'll yeah. grow. And we shouldn't be unapologetic, but we should work out ways in which we can teach them. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I think the other thing I, I'd add to that is just um, 
if you're like if you're like I really want to push more into the you know have more God stuff basically it works quite well or or it did for us um, is to springboard off something so like whether it is DTI whether it's the weekend away um, we had one weekend away one year where we were just like look we're we're really going to go for this we're going to have a morning and evening session all that kind of thing um, and I think was it the last morning session of the last the last session of the last morning whatever um, just the Holy Spirit fell and like. We'd done it the first evening and it was awkward and the the first morning and it was kind of a little bit less awkward. And then the next evening and they were kind of warming up. And then the morning right before we left, we were like, we're just going to pray for the Holy Spirit. And I we had like brothers and sisters like just crying and praying for each other. Um, and and then we just used that as a springboard. We were like off that. Guys, look, you've seen what happens. Like, yeah, we can play spoons, but wouldn't you rather do this? Um <laughs> And like that's always always what we've said is like there um we can't put on the most fun thing that is available to them like they've got Xbox like we we've always said what we can do is introduce them to Jesus and if if they come and meet him so ICN stands for I can't not because we were like we want it to be this irresistible thing of like if you come and encounter Jesus like I can't not worship I can't not pray I can't not read my Bible so um like like Andrew said like go for it um but often what works is to springboard off something where they've seen it and are like oh yeah that was really cool uh, so the next question is are there mixes of youth that don't work church youth park kids goths emos chavs etc um <laughs> I, uh, to be honest, I don't feel like I have loads of experience in this, although we are in the process of starting uh, like an outreach thing alongside what we do on uh, Sundays and midweek. And one of our team said that her experience of being a church kid in a group that was like, they're a church youth and very much unchurched youth together, was she got quite led off the rails by that. So she was like, "You do, we do need to be careful to like kind of protect them, but also not be exclusive. Um, but I don't know if you guys have more experience of actually mixing the youth i mean i'll never forget working with some young people down the park and them really trusting me and really interested about god and then i brought them into a group and the, it literally went down like a lead balloon they ended up having a fight and it was really messy and i got loads of those stories um, and my heart was i remember going home and crying and saying god i've tried my best to to bring people into the church and then the kids in the church don't even want to know them and the thing is, is they're at a such a gentle, oh, like tenuous moment in their life, aren't they? And I think there's a thing called t- contextualization. And, and for every context, it's trying to, what does the message look like for each context? And so for me, I found that us doing, putting on a Friday night youth club was different to our Wednesday night discipleship stuff. And so I know it's more time and I know it's more energy, um, but it's if you've got team, you can create these kind of things. And sometimes we need to separate. And you know, but the kingdom of God, every every color, every creed is welcome. But with young people, it's actually quite challenging that sometimes. And I think roll with it, but keep giving the message to the young people, guys. This is not just for you. This is not just for you. Because I look at churches now with adults in them, and they've they've really made it about them. And it's a really comfy, cozy club and people come in that are criminals and they're worried about their purse getting nicked. It's like, well, didn't we pray for this? It's, it's hard. It, I've not really answered. I've probably created more of a question, but 
I think, I think sometimes if they're not connecting, you need to provide different spaces for them to access God. My church doesn't yet have any youth, but we're praying for them. And we've got a couple nearing 12 years old and are praying for more. What do we need to do now to prepare for when they're old enough to start a youth group on a Sunday morning? Um, Like literally prepare for a youth group to start on a Sunday morning. So recruit the team, um, like get set up, work out what you're going to do, like pray about what you think would be a great thing to do and then start communicating it to their parents um, gather their parents like before it starts and say this is what we're going to do like we we love young people we want you to bring them and um, we actually uh, move up our year sevens or when they're year sixes in may at the may half term so that it's not too much change all at once so they're not like oh will you stop going to church when you become a teenager um so they we transition them then to sort of catch them as they go into year seven so like maybe think about doing that and like yeah communicate what you're doing to the parents email them have a parents evening um, and then start with something really fun like get together for you know it might be small scale fun of like let's get together for pizza and board games or it might be like we're going to throw a massive party at pizza and board games is fun less effort um yeah that would be my I was, I was just going to say, yeah, just like um, in terms of like what, what to take them along to, um, do do stuff, especially like there's real benefits for when you've got a smaller group. So like when, you, you know, you've got two youth coming up, you can have their parents around for dinner. Like you can't do that as it gets bigger. Um, but when you're, when you're talking about what you're going to do, pizza, board games, um, things that are known, that they know what it's going to be like and that they can invite their friends along to. So we have found for all its risk and hilarity ice skating is such a good social because they all know what ice skating is and you just say look we're gonna meet here we're going ice skating bring a whole bunch of your friends and they they really invite to it and yeah so just stuff like that stuff where they're like you're saying like they're safe they know what's what's going to happen yeah one of the things we did um because we actually do a transition thing early as well so i was going to say scottish school years but that will mean nothing to any of you um but essentially we move them where they've got a year in kids we give them a year in kids and a year in youth, so they get like a, a dual thing going for one year. And actually, we have found that has been an incredible thing, because what you've got to remember is, if they're in youth, they're talking to the kids and kids about youth. And so so what happens is that we transition them, they're going like, oh, we're in youth, this thing's amazing, they start talking about it, then they start telling those that are not just about it. So when they get to the point where they can move up, they're moving up earlier. So all we've done is shift a year, but we've got that dialogue between that age where they're still the same age, so you can kind of get, so I would encourage, that's something that we, has like, revolutionary for us it sounds so simple but but great the other thing i would say is like if you've got a team now i don't know if this person's got a team but um go and serve on kids so one of the things i did for my team members is i required it sounds harsh but i required that every single member of my team spent at least one sunday a month in in kids once a quarter now it sounds really regimental it sounds really kind of harsh but you know what it did? It meant, see, when those kids moved up, they knew them already. So they, were, they knew the youth leaders. Now, and, and, and it was an amazing thing, because then they moved up and they were like, yes, we're together now. We've, you know, we know you. This is great. Um, what you don't want is the harsh border. You don't want the out of kids into youth. And, and that's, that's where you might lose them. You see what I mean? So hopefully that, does that answer the question, does it? I think so. Great. Um, Guys, uh, there's there's two more questions. This is just for Zeke. Before God provided that council youth job, was that kind of was that kind of job on your heart already? Um, do you have an idea of what you 
did you have an idea of what you wanted to do before God provided? Um, like, yeah, uh, the first question, um, no, uh, well, I, the reason why I was thinking about the park is because just, bef- see, God sets things up in our lives. It's not a mistake that we do what we're doing. It's not a mistake that you're in here. Okay, you could say, oh, well, it was the best seminar and, you know, I just stumbled in here. But it's like there's a passion in your heart that has brought you into this room. And so, like for me, when I went to Brazil at 19, I'd come over to pursue a football career. I was still angry with God why he didn't make me a pro and why I'm still not famous like that. You know, I was I was I was, you know, on that thing because that's what I wanted to do and achieve. But I remember going to Brazil at 19 and meeting young people that were 15, 12, 11 boys and they were prostitutes and God wrecked me. And I thought, I'm either going to come back and live in this country or I'm going to go back and pour my life out for for young people because I could connect with those kids with football. And so I realized that God had put something in my hand which was football, that I could use to connect with young people, which was another passion. And so there was already a passion in me, but he set that trip up before I would come back and my youth pastor would have that conversation with the council. So I was ready. So to answer the question, yeah, I think whatever it was, yes, it's gone black now. And the other one, I, what was the other bit? Was and Did you have any idea what you wanted to do before God? Uh, I'm one of these freaks where I've always been very driven. So the minute I kicked a football, I said to my parents, that's what I'm going to do. That's why at 18, I got my parents sent me on a one-way ticket to this country. That's the kind of person I am, quite focused. And then at 16, the seed to work with young, young lads and realize that I had a passion to develop them and pour into their lives because I had a father who did that. And God was already setting things up. So for me, it's like, yeah, I did because it, that's my... And so for me, I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to sell my life out for young people. And, and, and youth ministry is not always... It's not always a calling for your life, but some people it is. Um, there's one final question, the Wimber one. What is it? Uh, so if you were Wimber, would you have a ministering youth team? Yes. 100%. Like without question, um, and off the back of it, a really good thing to do is get your youth serving on a Sunday morning, because um, a it means you don't have to come up with curriculum for that week. Um, so we do every week two our youth serve, um, and they serve all throughout the church. And I'm the I'm the primary school kids pastor as well, um, and it warms my heart because every um, every month I hear the kids team just be like, do you know what? We're not worried this week. It's week two. Um, the youth are there and they're so good and some one of my youth is now a week leader um, in one of our you know running a group of 20 kids she's in charge she does the message <coughs> all of this um, I got asked again to do an assembly the other day in a primary school took her with me because I was like look you this is the stuff you're going to be doing come and check it out like yeah without question get them involved um, the other thing quickly on that is so we do week two is that on a week four we take them out treasure hunting every month we've done it for the last two years um it's something God really gave me a heart and a vision for. Uh, and basically the idea was like, I want this to be their norm, like to go out, to get words, to go and find those people and just to pray for them. I want that to be their norm. And that's where we're at now. And, it, you know, it's, it's been a, a rocky two years, but it's been amazing. Um, they minister 
better than adults. Like, and I want them to become adults who can minister well, but youth are better at it. And because they, it's weird because in in one way they're really self-conscious, but they also don't care. Um, And so if you say to them, like, just go up to that person, I'll buy you a Costa if you go up to that person and just say, look, we've got this word, we think it's you, can we pray? And they're like, oh, for a Costa, I'll do anything. And then they go, they see the person blessed and they come back. And, you know, we found a woman, like, um, the, we had the road where she was going to be on. We had her name. We had what she needed prayer for. I went and found her. We found, like, we found that right person. She was like, this is exactly right. Everything's right. We prayed for her, walked off, and the youth were literally jumping up and down. They were like, how is this going on? This is awesome. Like, yes, get them ministering as soon as you can. And you know the other thing I would say, you might be in a situation where you don't have the sort of the, the opportunity to take a bunch out or mm. or to do no, and one of the things I would encourage you to do for those of you who are in the really small stage, either at the zero or the one or the two, is get get your relationship going with those people and see on a Sunday when there's an opportunity to minister, just say, You're coming with me. And I do this all the time and I encourage them, even if I'm not they're not gonna minister, they watch me minister. And what they do is they catch the vision of how I do it. And then in three or four weeks' time, I turn up and go, right, you come with me. And they go, right, I'm going to watch you. And then I turn up and go, right, go. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, they do it. So see when you're not in youth, and I say this to my leaders, you're always a youth leader. Yeah. Like always. It doesn't matter if you're in the park, on the street, in church, at work. It doesn't matter. If you see your young person, you're going to minister. Just, just take them with you. Because where are they going to learn? They're going to learn by watching you being an example, by setting out and showing them how to do it. Only then can they, can they do it, and they will minister. Because, as you say, the minister, some of the words that you get, get out of these, these young people are, like, blown away, you know? So, oh. Just to add one tiny thing to that, if you're thinking, but how do I actually get them to pray in that situation? If the person has their eyes closed and their hands out, and you go... Uh, Josh, do you want to pray? It's really awkward for them to say no. So they're like, okay. And then they pray. So just, just put them on the spot. And I mean, not with the really sensitive ones, but, um, but just pick one and be like, you're going to pray? Like when it's an awkward moment to say no. And they'll just, you know, once they've done it once, it's not so bad. And when they, get, and when, and when they see something happen, like that's the amazing bit. When you push them, we, 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 we want to modicoddle them a little bit, but you do sometimes, we just need, we all need it, don't we? You just need that little, that little nudge and see when they do minister and the person goes, Oh, how you know the young person just they get more blessing out of that than the person got the word. You get it? So yeah, it's great. It's great. So guys, we've come up with some questions just to finish. Sorry if we didn't answer. It might be one or two texts. Um, in but, but come up to us if we haven't answered properly as well. Um, but there's a. Can we just get that final slide up? Um, we just came up with some questions. If you can see it, um, just when it thinks about like thinking about youth ministry in your town in these are just some questions I want to give to you if you're thinking about starting or how you can develop what you're doing um, where are the young people in our town or city it's not just often when I travel around senior leaders say to us like they say um we don't have youth in our church do you know what I say back go get them so where are the young people in the town or your city where are they what are they up to or involved in? You might be in quite a wealthy, you know, um, I'm thinking of a different word, but quite a wealthy environment. And young people, they go to clubs everywhere. So is there a need for a club? Is there a need for something? Or is there a way that you could access those young people? What, what, what are their needs? What are the young people's needs in your town or your city? What are counsellors? What are parents? What are they saying? 
There's nothing stopping you from going onto the high street with a sheet of paper saying, hey, what do you think the young people's needs are in this? Asking young people, what are your needs? They love a questionnaire if you're chucking a load of sweets out. That could be dodgy, but <laughs> do, do it properly with the right things. How can, we, how can we meet their needs with the resources we have or could have? Don't just look at what you've got and be limited by that. You could have 16 hours a week paid by the council. Just saying. What would you need to happen in order for us? What would, what would need to happen in order for us to pioneer work amongst young people? And how can we best be the hands and feet of Jesus for young people in our community? Just a couple of questions getting you thinking. We'd love to pray for you guys. We, guys, I'm so grateful that you've come. Whether you're involved in youth ministry, you're on a team, you're thinking of starting something Thank you for what you do. Your time is not wasted. Your time is precious. And you're doing what Jesus said. Whoever welcomes the children, he said, welcomes me. So when you welcome, when your heart is for young people. So Holy Spirit, we just pray. Just put out your hands where you are. Holy Spirit, we just pray. Would you bless my friends? Would you fill them with everything they need? I command fear to go in Jesus' name. I command worry to go in Jesus' name. And I say, be strong and courageous. Lord, I just pray that everyone here would just receive a fresh vision from you. A fresh anointing of your boldness and your courage. And Lord, provide them with willing volunteers. And Lord, I, I just come Holy Spirit. feel like there's a, a moment of offering up um like they would do this morning of just just saying like lord here's my here's my loaves here's my fishes here's my two youth here's my like one volunteer hour a month whatever it is um lord i offer it up to you and just just as you you picture that whatever it is that you have now and offer it up to him we just Fill it with Jesus' power. The less we have, the more he has space to do. So we just pray that multiplication, like that miraculous, how has this turned into this? I just feel like um, God's saying, if if he has put you in this place, you're the right person. You don't have to be cooler or wiser or older or younger. You are the right person for it. Just love young people and love Jesus. That's all that's required. Yeah, we were chatting to some of our team yesterday. And we were saying the two most important things 
is that the young people know that you love them and that they know you are who you are, that you just live your life with integrity, with a heart broken for them. Lord, I just pray um, where maybe hearts have become a little hard, um, just had a picture of a heart with a crust on it. Um, Lord, we just break that crust off. Like this can be a tiring ministry to work in. Um, and sometimes we just put a bit of protection over ourselves, but actually the Lord just wants to break that off and break our hearts afresh for our young people. That they would see it, like just that we would wear our hearts on our sleeves with our young people, that they would know, you know, we make them so awkward because Rachel and I always say to them, do you know how much we love you? Like we love you guys. And they shuffle around and walk off. But they know it. I got this word a couple of years ago given to me and I felt like I should repeat it out um, to you. John Mark Comer mentioned this morning the story of Peter getting out of the boat. Um, and the one thing I'm always reminded about that story is that um, Peter didn't drown. Right, He didn't. He, he stepped out on the water and he didn't drown. So like, I think a word for us in youth ministry is you're not going to drown. Right, Stepping out feels scary and I know some of you guys and I'm going to give you the reality here is is that it's going to be tough (laughs) like it's not going to be plain sailing pardon the expression but you will not drown because God promises that he never leaves us that he will not forsake us and and like God is for you (laughs) as a youth ministry he's for you as an individual all things work together for good God is working even when we can't see it So I just want to encourage you, like, Father, will you just always remind us that Peter didn't drown and neither are we because you are good, you are gracious, you are kind. And even in the moments that feel like failure, God, you're doing stuff and you are always faithful to us. So Holy Spirit, will you just encourage, will you bless us all as we reach out and seek a generation that so badly needs you? God, will you build us up? Will you make us strong, courageous, hardworking, visionary people? But at the end of the day, God, it's, it's, all, it's all about you. So will you fill us, Holy Spirit? We bless you, Jesus. So let his peace um, be with you and guide you. Yeah. Amen.